Welcome back to the Access to Education podcast, where we talk about all things having to do with learning disabilities and learning challenges. Being an entrepreneur can be hard at the best of times, but for those with a neurodiversity, it can be even harder. It can be tough to stay on task and focus on the must-dos when your brain is running a mile a minute. Today on the show, I'm chatting with Kara. She is a business educator with ADHD. She also has children with ADHD, as well as a child who is dyslexic. Kara helps women start successful businesses. Her online program takes women through every step of opening and running the business they have always wanted. Starting a business is hard work. Kara helps women navigate business ownership and balancing family, life, and everything that comes with it. Kara, welcome to the show. So much of what you do, I feel like fits into every avenue of me. And speaking of balance, you and I were just talking before we hit record about all my driving today to pick up kids yeah. from summer camp and, you know, trying to run a business while I'm sending emails and things. So it's a good thing I can multitask, but yeah, sometimes it takes over. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so let's start. I mean, I gave a bit of an introduction, but it would be great if we could start kind of with you telling us who you are a little bit more kind of about how ADHD has kind of influenced, had an impact on, and has kind of moved you through your journey as an entrepreneur. So, well, first I am 34. I was not diagnosed until I was like 28. So, you know, we talk about how it influenced things as an entrepreneur. I was well into entrepreneurship before before I was diagnosed, really being diagnosed just helped me understand why certain things, why I think things a certain way, way, the way that I do and help me find some different tools to maybe address things a little bit differently. It's funny how just getting the right diet. I talk about this so often on the show with, with parents and with specialists that once you get the, and I'm using air quotes, but like the diagnosis, it like it, it allows you to accept and understand why things are easy in some cases or hard in others. Yeah. So for me, it was just like, it's kind of a funny story how my diagnosis came about. I was actually in a mastermind for businesses and um, one of the women there I'd worked with before, she was a psychologist. She was in this mastermind group and we were working on my issue and I was like, I just, telling them how I'm not getting enough done, or it looks like this. And I'm just telling them my whole life. And, and how do you get more stuff done? And how do you focus and all of these things? And she for once had nothing to say. She just sat there and I'm like showing you, but like, she just sat there with a notebook and took like three pages of notes, never said a word. And I was like, she's super uncomfortable today. I wonder what's wrong. And uh, she pulled my husband who was in a different group and me aside after it. And she was like, do you know you have ADHD? And I was like, oh, we joke about it all the time. <laughs> and she's like, no, you don't understand. You have ADHD. And the first page of her notes was like, these are different medications that you can take. Like the first half was like, these are medications that you can take to help you when you have these problems. And the rest of it was like all therapies I should stop, start implementing. And she's like, take this and you need to go to your doctor and get an official diagnosis and like, you're not doing anything to treat your ADHD. You're just a mess. And I was like, oh, thanks. Then she hands the papers to my husband and is like, because Kara will lose them. And I was like, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's how like my whole Kara has ADHD journey started. 
uh, was this, this woman in my group being like, you have no idea what's holding you back. So you get your diagnosis. Does that lead into you then getting your kids assessed for things? Or did you notice things before that had you wondering about your own children? So I just have one kid that has ADHD Okay, and it was after I was diagnosed. He's only okay. six right now. Okay. So he wasn't even, he was barely in existence right at the time. Right. So yeah. So I just have the one kid and I started noticing as I was working on my therapies, daily therapies, and I was implementing a lot of the stuff she taught me. I started to see a lot of similarities between the two of us, especially with emotional dysregulation, temper tantrums. I just, that child, it was so rough for a minute, that type of thing. And I was like, oh, I know what this is. And again, I have ADHD. So as soon as I was diagnosed, now I have like this hyper focus into it. So I know way more about it than a lot of people would, or even a kid with ADHD would, because I super dove into it. So uh, I, I saw it in him when he was about four. And then that journey to understanding for him and, and potential diagnosis, if that's what you have, like, yeah, what has that been for you? How has not what, how has that been for you as a family, uh, as a, as a grouping and in understanding him in the school system? I don't know exactly how to answer this because I didn't, I didn't run him first to the doctor to be like, he needs to be in therapies and stuff like that. We talked to the, I guess, I guess his diagnosis might not be official. I don't know what that would look like right. for him. We took him to his pediatrician. He agreed that he probably had ADHD. We chose not to do the hours of testing, right? Yeah. Especially because he's like, do you want medication? And I said, no, right now, right now, we don't feel like that's the best choice. If, yeah. if it's a choice for it's everyone has to make their own choice on it. But I said, right now, we don't feel like that's the best choice. And he's like, okay, well, then I don't think we need to put him through that and stress him out and do all the stuff. Let's just start working on some of those daily therapies. So for us, it was a lot of emotional regulation therapy, grounding exercises, understanding your emotions, mindfulness, meditation, all of that kind of stuff. A lot of timer therapy where we set a timer and you have to focus for that amount of time. A lot of that kind of stuff. It took about six months and then there's just, he just kept getting better and better and better and better and managing things better. I'm like so proud of him because of how far he's come for sure. He's done pretty well in school. His teacher loved him. He's very smart though. And he really likes to learn. He likes to learn and he likes to help. So as soon as he stops learning, like that, he already knows what they're talking about. His teachers always gave him jobs and he likes to serve them. So he's done pretty well so far in school. He hasn't had very many problems, except he's mad that they won't let him move further ahead in math as quickly as he would like to. (laughs) Oh, the woes of small children and wanting to move ahead, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So let's kind of, I mean, bring the conversation back to entrepreneurship, ADHD, and how one kind of manages that. Because as a person who's not ADHD, I'm dyslexic. So my challenges with being an entrepreneur and working for myself and doing all those things are a little different. I'm very meticulous. I'm very organized, but I can get hyper-focused and I can, I find, especially for entrepreneurship, when you work for yourself and when it's just you running something, the to-do list is like, it never, it never gets shorter. I actually think it just gets longer. And so being able to, I, I totally resonate with the idea of like being totally scattered and having a million things to do and not being able to like get into the one thing. So what is the hardest part of owning your business and being neurodiverse in your opinion? And everybody, listen, whenever I talk to people about opinions, I'm always like, everybody has their own opinion. There is no right or wrong answer. This is just a like, hey, in your thoughts, 
What do you think? So it's changed over the years because I used to, I remember having a to-do list that had 400 items on it. And I was like, I was a little bit proud of it. And then eventually I realized that I would never succeed at this. So I have a lot of things that help me with my to-do list now. So that's not a huge factor for me anymore. Um, Right now I have a lot of struggles with like focusing on completing the task to the end, which, you know, is a typical ADHD thing. So I will start something and then I'll remember something else. I probably have 25 tabs open at any time. So that one's hard for me is I don't have someone to report to. So it's really easy for me to go down like six rabbit holes at once and take care of that. That's definitely one of mine. And then people interrupting me all day because I love the people. I love them so much and I want to talk to them. But when neurotypical people get interrupted, they can be like five minute chat and get back to work. I don't know how to keep it under 20 minutes. We're lucky if everyone leaves within an hour. Right. So, so those are my, and then it takes me another half an hour to get back to where I started. Uh, So those are my things, time management stuff. So when you're working with, you know, a new entrepreneur and, you know, maybe they disclose to you that they are neurodiverse. What are some of the things that you suggest that they try to kind of stay on that? Like, okay, you got it. This is the task for today. This is how you have to stick to that task. So what have you learned through your own understanding of self that you then support your clients with? So the first thing is if you have a to-do list that has really more than 50 things on it, you should throw it away, like (laughs) trash it and start over. Um, So people can't do that. If you can't do that, it's totally fine. I actually learned this from my neurotypical super like this in line husband, take that huge list and you're going to choose three things, three things every day, right? So you're going to take it and be like, Hey, these are my three things. And then these are the big important things that need all of my attention. And if you have extra time, if you cruise through those, like if I set a timer, timer, timers are so important to me. If I set a timer and I have to get done before the timer goes off, I can get through tasks. I can do that pretty well, but that huge list, it's not serving you at all. It's just overwhelming you and and it's distracting you and your brain is so, so busy. So take, if you can't throw it away, I guess that's fine. Go through it and take three things and you're doing three things that day and three things the next day. All of my clients, I have them set big goals for the week. They can't set more than three big goals for the week. They can't be things like I am going to build an entire curriculum and record everything in a week. That's too big. Like that's a big one. Bring Knowing where we're going. Yeah. Bring it back for sure. So when people are starting out and I'm specifically thinking of the ADHD or where I feel like as entrepreneurs, we sometimes come in and we have all of these ideas and we want to do it all and we want to get it all going. And you mentioned this earlier where, you know, you start something, but you never actually see it all the way to the end. So how can those starting out in a new venture kind of stay focused and not feel like they're losing control? So what are some things that they can do as they're starting out to kind of take all of those big, crazy, wild, amazing ideas and kind of focus them in on something? So my first, I guess, suggestion would be to either get a support buddy, get a coach, get a guide, someone like that, someone like that who can help you bring it back in. Because we ADHD people like to start in the middle. We don't like to start at the beginning. We like to start in the middle. And when you start in the middle with business, you usually are like, thousands of dollars into it and tons of chaos and maybe an employee and like 10 
clients and all of this stuff into it before you realized, oh, I missed like 10 steps at the beginning that were really important. And now I have a tax bill for $3,000. True story for me. Um, now I have this huge tax bill that I didn't know I had to pay or, oh, do you know you have to register your business or I should have done branding, whatever it is. So if you can get someone to kind of help you, keep you accountable. My husband explains it like this. He says, I'm like a kite and I'm out here and I'm flying around and I'm doing all the stuff. And he's like the little string of a kite that just keeps me from flying away. So you kind of need a person that might help keep you from flying away a little bit. People with ADHD do pretty well with, with a solid person, right? Not someone who's telling us what to do. That is different. Um, but a solid person who could be like, did you think of this and ask the questions, um, stuff like that. I also have a checklist on my website that they can download for free to help them make sure they're starting in the right places for sure. Another thing, I just taught a class on this. So another thing too, that I tell people, especially if you're feeling overwhelmed and you're like, I'm not really sure. And you're tripping over yourself as you go is to track your goals, not track them, like write out my goals and know where I'm going. Every time you accomplish something to write it down and be like, I did this. I built a website. I started a funnel. I got my first client whatever it is. So you can go back through and be like, I am moving forward. I am making progress. Even if it's a little chaotic, I'm still doing it. Yeah. Um, and that helps a lot too. I have an email box in my day job <laughs> for like the, the, when somebody kind of pats me on the back to be like, Hey, you did a really good job at that. And it's so helpful because there are moments in my day where I'm like, I hate my job. Why am I doing this? This <laughs> is a terrible job. Why, why are we doing this? This is just, you know, but then when you can go back to those things, so, you know, just writing out the things that you have done, like you did build a website and you have got your funnel going and you did get your first client and you got your first payment and you like all of those things. Yeah. I think when you have those moments of feeling frustrated, overwhelmed and like, why am I doing this? This isn't getting me anywhere. I'm just, I'm like a hamster in a wheel, not actually going anywhere. But when you can reflect back on the things that you've been able to do, it, it propels you forward. Cause you're like, Oh, I did do that thing. And that was hard. Yeah. yeah. And if you're doing something, so with my kids, we do little flying keys, like from Harry Potter, because I do this with my children. And so we do little flying keys. And when they accomplish something, one of their goals or something big, they care about, they get a key and they get to color it. And then on the back, we write what they accomplished and we hang it up in our, we have a little room for them um, in their little kind of toy room. And then when they're like, I'm feeling frustrated because I can't do this, I I'm too stupid or I'm frustrated, or maybe I shouldn't do this at all. We can look at the back of them and be like, Hey, look at all the things you did do. Look at how far you've come. And I had, had a business coach who used to put sticky notes on the back of her door. That's how she tracked hers. Mine's just in a spreadsheet, but that's how she tracked hers. And she'd write her every time she accomplished a goal, she would put it on a sticky note. She'd put it on the back of her door. And that at the beginning of the year, she'd wipe it out again. But that meant that like by December, she'd close her door and there's like sticky notes everywhere, which give you all those little hints, hits of dopamine. Every time you get a key, every time you get a sticky note, you get a little dopamine hit, which helps you continue to move forward, gives you tons of motivation. Yeah. You see it every day. And I think that's way cool. So this kind of, I mean, talking about the keys and, and your, your kiddo, this sort of leads into like, as a mom, I think mom to mom, as we kind of go through this conversation tonight, having a kid who is neurodiverse and who potentially, you know, with ADHD come challenges and things. And I know things are going really well right now, but I don't know. I think you might, I hope you will agree with this comment that right when we think we have our kid figured out, something changes and we have to try a new plan because it doesn't always stick. 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what has been a challenge for you being a mom with a neurodiversity, having your own business and now having a kiddo who, you know, kind of has some of the same challenges. So what's the hardest part of all that for you? Balancing my time. Well, so I'm spending the right amount of time helping him. I mean, I talk about daily therapies, but as he does better with his emotional management, I quit doing that. I quit doing those things with him. And, and so those are definitely a problem there. And then it's my dyslexic kid. We have a constant issue of, you know, keeping good motivation and positive, all of those types of things where he's not so frustrated all the time. Again, that's a time issue. And so balancing my time well is definitely a struggle that I have to make sure I'm following through and I'm present all the time or when I, they need me. I think that that would, that not that that would be, that that is probably if we could pull people listening right now, they would like who are moms and even dads, quite frankly, on like who are listening to this when we're talking about making the time for each of those kids and being able to put in the time, the therapies, running them to appointments, doing all the things that then takes away from the hours and minutes and precious seconds that we have to do all the other stuff that we need to do. And it is, it's tiring. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot for sure. And it's a lot of motivation I find. And I, I find that the motivation gets sucked out of me and I have to give it to them to, you know, the homework comes home and the homework is too hard. Well, it's not. If you sit down and take a minute and look at it and actually you can do it. Like, yeah. but that's, that's that emotion that like they have to take from me that I have to like give. I feel like it's get a Harry Potter. They had the wand and the, the, the spirits went from one to the other or something. And I feel like they're like sucking it right. Out of me. <laughs> no, I get it. Yeah. And it's hard. Cause like, you know, I'm pumping up this, my dyslexic kid, but also my heart is really worried for him because mm-hmm. he's having such a hard time. Yeah. And his little brother, who's not dyslexic is almost, you know, he's th- his little brother's three years younger. He will pass him in reading this year. Right. Easily. And it's going to be really, really hard for him. Yeah. And, you know, like, so like I'm telling him all the things, but it's also hard on your soul because you're like, it's yeah. going to be okay, but it's also kind of frustrating not frustrating a little hard a little a little just hard just emotionally hard to see yeah it's hard it's hard to watch the the struggle and when you've got one that doesn't struggle and one that does struggle and struggles a lot it's just it's hard because they get to uh, there's a, a point in time where nobody notices the kids don't know that there's a difference yeah. but then they're you, you you come out of that sweet spot yeah all of a sudden it's very evident right as to who is the high achiever and it's not that they're a high achiever it's just that they're different. Their brain is wired to do that. And the other one isn't like, that's all, yeah, exactly. that's all it is. Exactly. And my ADHD kid, he's the one who's younger. He really loves reading. He really loves all this. So he puts a lot of thought into it and yep. spends time in it. He'll cruise past his brother right now. They're not really aware of it, but it's going to be my older kid really wants to be, you know, the oldest kid and is smart and the best at everything and win everything. And it's just right. going to be a really hard year for him. Yeah. When he realizes what's happening and he's doing good. He's doing well for a kid with dyslexia. It's just, he's having it, you know, he's having the challenges. It's just what it is. So So that's hard for sure. I'm going to ask you a question. You may or may not be able to answer it full transparency. You've gotten these questions in advance. So maybe you've like got something (laughs) sorted out, but I'm just wondering, like we're talking about kids having a tough go and, and kind of what that might kind of, feel like for them or kind of be like, but I'm thinking about the workforce and it, it, 
when we're this conversation that we're having about being an entrepreneur and entering workforces and kind of, you know, making a living and, and doing what we need to do to survive. And the reason I'm asking the question is I had a conversation with my mom a couple of weeks ago, we were outside and, and she was saying, oh, you know, at one point when you were in grade five or grade six with my dyslexia, she was really worried that I wasn't ever going to be able to do anything because I wasn't writing and I wasn't reading and I wasn't doing any of the things. And she just thought, you know, you're never going to enter the workforce. You're never going to be able to do anything. We're going to have to support you all of our lives. Like it was this whole thing. And then everything, it didn't, it didn't go that way. Right. My story did not go that way. That's not to say everybody's stories go that way. I'm just thinking of like people who might be listening and how we can help our neurodiverse kids get ready for working, get ready for being part of a workforce. Do you have any ideas, thoughts, comments? Maybe not. You sent me the questions and I read them and I immediately forgot every single one, except for this one, because I do have some passion about this. I wasn't diagnosed till I was 28. I didn't have people growing up telling me that I couldn't do things or that I was going to have a harder time at anything or that I was different. I mean, like I knew I was different because I was different, but like I, my mom never expected anything other than good things from me, right? My little brother has ADHD. Um, she treated him exactly, not exactly, but she still expected really great things from him, right? She still, she told him he could be an engineer. She still expected him to go to school. She still, all of those things. And when I started diving into the ADHD community, uh, learning about parents who have kids with ADHD, as I started dealing with my, with my middle kid, and all of that stuff, I was just bombarded with people telling me that I couldn't. And it was, I have never felt so stupid in my life. I have never felt so looked down on and dismissed and ridiculous in my life than when I actually started getting involved with people who had ADHD kids, even just know, even just grew up knowing they had ADHD because they constantly told me that I couldn't. Right. It constantly told me I was struggling when I wasn't aware that I was struggling or it didn't matter that I was struggling. Right. And so for me, cause I was, cause I've just been thinking about this so much. Um, for me, my biggest thing for helping make sure my kids are ready for the workforce. Cause every kid neurodivergent or not, we want to make sure yeah. that they're able to provide for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest thing is just whatever my kids stuff is, I want to make sure that they have the tools to manage their mental health, the tools to manage learning and and learning new skills and leaning into their skills. I want them to have the permission to to change jobs if they want to, or to go into weird fields and, and just make sure they have all of the tools and know that they're capable of great things. That's the biggest thing to me. I was well into entrepreneurship, building and selling businesses and stuff before I even knew I had ADHD. And I think a huge reason I was able to do that is because nobody told me I couldn't. Right. It never ever crossed my mind that I could, I just did it. And I think that that's huge. And I think we accidentally tell kids with ADHD that they can't all the time. I think we tell neurodiverse, neurodivergent, neurodiverse kids constantly that they can't. Yes, not constantly, but I think that that narrative is there. I think it's there in education. I think it's there in the workforce. And I think it's there just in society in general. And I think you make an excellent point that we need to remove the I can't, and it, it needs to be changed to not yet, right? Like not yet, but someday, yes, you will make a mistake that will teach you. Oh, if I don't hand in the file on time, 
something will happen. If I don't, you know, look before I cross the street, something bad, like those are the the skills yeah. that, that need to be learned. Or my mom's really good at asking us, like when we were growing, even now, um, she's like, well, how do we fix it for next time? How I do like we that. make, how do we take steps? How do we make improvements? Like my kids now, I, so I'm, I'm homeschooling this year because my kid's not getting dyslexia help at home. And I'm talking to him and I'm like, Hey, why aren't you working on your reading right now? And he's like, well, my computer's dead. And I can say, well, you need to go charge it then. But instead I was like, what is the solution? Yeah. He's like, well, I need to go charge it and take care of it. And so when I'm teaching them and you know, my kids are little. So like in 10 years, I might be like, this was the worst advice I ever gave the world. Like we'll find out. But I do find that like, if I'm asking them to solve their own problems and I'm helping them build tools to be able to solve their problems, they're doing a lot better mm-hmm. and, and not telling them that they can't. I just keep thinking I have RSD too, which is rejection sensitivity dysphoria. So like when people tell me I can't do something or when people tell me that I'm not good enough, it really sits with me. I had been told that growing up. I can't imagine that I would have been able to do the things that I've done. I can't imagine I would have even figured out how to hold any job above like a minimum wage job because that just sits in my head so much. So I guess that's, I don't know. That's a lot about the mental health piece that you've talked a lot about, I think, is that we really have to remember that with all children, all of our children, it doesn't matter their capability or whatever. It doesn't matter. All children and all human beings need to be treated with respect and understanding and need to be reminded that sometimes the road is hard and sometimes the road is easy and for some it's easy and for some it's hard, but it doesn't mean everything or anything is impossible. It just means I love you, you get to it in a different way, right? Like that really yeah. is what it is. And for all, I don't, I literally don't care the neurological state or stage of a child or a person, right? I mean, everybody deserves to have respect and to be supported in one way or another, um, oh, I agree about that. I, you know, I'm going to skip question five. Cause I feel like, I feel like we've kind of talked about it unless there's something you really want to add to it, which was like, what advice do you have for a parent out there with a child who may have a learning challenge and is entering the workforce or starting their own business? I mean, is there anything there that you feel you need to add to on top of what we just talked about? Like, I feel like we kind of went through that. I guess, I guess my biggest thing, I could add more. I can always add more. <laughs> Sometimes we get a little bit stuck in the idea that everyone's career path has to look a little bit the same. You know, we go to college, we get a job, we work at that job for four years or however many years it is before you retire. I don't even know. Um, I, it's, I don't know. I feel like it's never, retirement is never going to be an option in <laughs> current economic climate, but anyway. Yeah. And, but we kind of expect people to stay in their field, to stay in their lane. And especially if you have a neurodivergent kid, man, or ADD, autism, they're probably not going to stay in their lane, Mm. especially ADHD. They might have like 10 different jobs. That's totally okay. I've had a lot. Um, I've started six different businesses and then I sold four of them. And then I started, I mean, like, it's okay for their path to look different. And I think the biggest thing is to be like this really good sounding board for those kids that are leaving. Cause that's what my mom was. That's what my mom is for me. So I guess I'm not talking about my kids talking about how my mom helped me. And she's always been okay with me being like, I'm going to be, I'm going to start a photography studio and I'm going to travel all over the country taking wedding pictures. And she's like, do it. Right. Why not? Why can't you do that? And, and I think those things are 
very empowering and huge for your kids. Well, and I think too, when we talk about neurodiverse kids, because they are outside of the box thinkers as parents who have outside of the box thinkers, we need to be prepared for those things to come at us. And you kind of got to run with it because I think otherwise we're doing the opposite of what we just talked about, right? You're telling them they can't do something when actually they can and it might flop and it might not work and they might have to pick themselves up and dust themselves off and try again. But, you know, they didn't not fall over when they learned how to walk. Like those things are all, you know what I mean? They didn't not struggle to read. They didn't not struggle in school. Like it's just, and life isn't always a struggle, but I think so long as the individual doing the thing is still happy and being a, a, an efficient and effective part of society, then I don't, I don't know why it matters. Yeah. I don't know if that ramble makes any sense, but (laughs) it, it makes sense to me. It may not, basically it may not look like what we thought it should look like as parents, but their journey is their journey. And, and I think we can help them do great things. Well, I think society is changing too, right? Like the jobs that myself as an educator, I'm supporting teachers and supporting children to be ready for are jobs we don't even know anything about. I don't think there's anybody out there who once upon a time thought that we were going to be able to create something that is basically a computer in your hands. I'm not sure that 50 years ago, they were thinking we need to make sure that children know how to, like, absolutely not. So like, what is the next thing? I don't know. Who knows? Someone with ADHD knows they're the ones who thought of it. Well, but I mean, (laughs) listen, right? Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Elon Musk, like all of these, they're all neurodivergent people mm-hmm. and they are creating and they, like, anyway, whatever, this is a rabbit hole. We could go down for a while, but I, I could, I could, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying, right? Like we don't even necessarily know what our kids are going to need to do. So I think being prepared for the workforce is a case of like having eyes open to any and all opportunity. And for sure, I don't know. I, yeah. Anyhow, um, are there any good sort of things that books that people should be looking at or that you gear clients towards when it comes to starting a business or being an entrepreneur or being neurodiverse and an entrepreneur? Are there any things there that you have? Okay. So there's one that my friend wrote and it's called five secret fears of being an entrepreneur, uh, being a business oh. owner. Uh, Elin's Dort wrote it. It's a good one. I'll send you a link so you can put it in there. Yeah, I probably- that'd be great. I probably broke the title somehow. Um, I really like that one. Uh, there's another one called Clockwork that I really like. A lot of people read that one. Um, and then there's another one that I can't remember the title of. It's about taking tiny steps, taking the little steps to continue to create habits and make progress, even though you're taking little steps. Oh, cool. Well, like send me the one. links and I'll send me the links yeah. and I'll, or the names and I'll add them in the, the show description. I like the, t- it's not tiny habits. That's what everyone's going to say it is. You're wrong. Um, it's something different, but I can't remember right now, but I'll look it up. Um, but I like that one because I, a lot of people with ADHD are all or nothing people. So basically, if I can't get it done today, then I can't get it done. Like spending 15 minutes on it right now, that means it's going to take me six months to get it done. And I don't want to wait six months to get it done. So I'm just going to wait till my schedule clears up and then I'm going to get it all done in a day, except I can't get it all done in a day. And that's not actually like that right. doesn't make any real sense. Um, but a lot of us are all or nothing. So like if doing a little bit at a time means it'll take me a year, I'm just not going to do anything. But the whole book is about learning how to do a little bit every single day to make big progress. Got it. Um, so I think it's really good for people in business anyway. I was just going to say, I feel like that's like a, 
a global, everybody can probably use that. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And so, and I just, I just find, uh, I find it also funny how much I'm like, I can't do, if it's going to take me a year to get it done, I just, I'm just going to wait. But like, that doesn't make any sense because then a year out, I'm still exactly where I was before. I really like that one. It's, it's super helpful. For sure. Cara, where can people learn more about you and what you do? Oh, okay. So they can go to mylaunched.com and you can learn more about my program. I have a program called Launch Your Business Academy. And I just walk people through every step of starting a business in the right order. It's very simplified. It's very easy. There's a free checklist on there, which I mentioned earlier. So if you're looking to start a business, if you're getting going, the checklist will walk you through what actually needs to happen first. So you don't start in the middle and then spend thousands of dollars to have to go backwards and do it the right way. The first time. So. Amazing. Well, Cara, thank you so much for this conversation tonight. Thank you. Thank you. It was good to be here. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you are looking for help and support in creating a roadmap to success for your child through challenging times, contact me at access to education.com. I work with all families to help them build power and knowledge in understanding their child's needs and how to build success through advocacy. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Access to Education Toronto. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so together we can create your roadmap to success.